Cast. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. They say competition is for losers. Because if all of a sudden I come out and I say, I am the best lawyer, well, it's either me or the other million people that are claiming the same thing that are lying. So you don't want to get into that competition game. You want to catch them higher in the funnel where you can define the problem, you can define the solution, because then you're building the trust with that. Hey, hey, it's Tyler here. Thanks for listening to the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. Today's guest is Tom Schwab. You're going to love what Tom has to share in this episode. We find out why now has never been a better time to be a business owner, why it's so important to catch them high in the funnel, and what exactly that means, how to cheat and transfer the authority of others and leverage their audiences. And lastly, Tom talks about obscurity, why it's such a problem, and how to overcome it. I just know you're going to love what Tom has to say. As always, Thanks for listening. Hey, hey, thanks for listening today to the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. Today's guest is Tom Schwab, who is the chief evangelist officer of Podcast Valet. Tom knows how to build an online business. He's done it successfully several times. And now he helps others find online success with podcast interview marketing. Tom helps thought leaders get featured on leading podcasts where their ideal prospects are already listening. The interview valet system then helps turn listeners into customers. Hey, Tom, thanks for being a guest today on the Think Business with Tyler podcast. We're super excited about our chat today. How are you doing? Tyler, I am thrilled to be here. Thanks, Tom. Thanks. I mentioned in the intro, you had built several online businesses. Can you elaborate a little bit about those online businesses and how you built them? Yeah. So... I took principles that I'd learned earlier in my life and said, how can you apply these to online? And uh, back in 2008, I read a a great book called Inbound Marketing by two smart guys from MIT, uh, Brian Halligan and Darmesh Saw. And we were one of their first e-commerce customers. In fact, we were the first e-commerce case study. Beretta USA, which is the oldest company in the world, was their second e-commerce case studies. So while I'm not a digital native, I always look and say, what kind of principles that used to work would now work online? And it's been a great learning experience. And, you know, there's a lot of problems in the world right now, but there is no better time to be a business owner. You think about it, the stuff that we're using for free, you couldn't have bought 20 years ago. And, uh, you know, 10 years ago to start a business, an online business, you'd have to buy servers and all the rest of that. And now uh, everything is in the cloud. Yeah, we, we have so many choices and I would almost argue that's the challenge that we just have this whole world in front of us, Clubhouse, LinkedIn, Facebook, all these different avenues. Do you find that's one of the current challenges for people in terms of getting out there and getting their message out and building their business? It can be because if you focus in on the tactics, you know, which one should I be on Clubhouse, Snapchat, all the rest of that, it can be very, very confusing. You know, what is the best platform to use for this Uh, websites, all the rest of that. But to me, that's part of the business. That's not 
the business as a whole. And I always think that, you know, my grandfather, God love his soul or God rest his soul, he'd be better suited for the future in business than my kids would because they might know, know all of the technical side of it, but they forget about the business side of it. So I think with all of this, we have to step back and say, well, who do I want to serve? How does this help them? How does this help connect them? And if you start to go for those bigger questions, then it starts to filter through into the smaller questions. And I always think uh, probably a dozen years ago or so, uh, my youngest daughter was in junior high and she came to me and she says, dad, you need to be on Instagram. And I'm like, why? And she says, because everybody is on Instagram. And I said, well, define everybody. And she said, well, me and all my friends. Now, Instagram has grown to be a great platform, but back then it was, you know, teenage girls, very young people. And those weren't my customers. My customers weren't on Instagram yet. So while it was new, it was shiny. It wasn't going to help my business. And it probably would have been creepy uh, if I jumped on there. Yeah, yeah, probably not your demographic, especially back then. You know, before we get into marketing from your book, there's a lot of things I want to cover. What are some common business challenges that you face? Because you brought up business and your grandfather. Can you kind of drill down on some experiences that you've had that were challenges and perhaps you've overcome them or what you learned from them? Freedom is a wonderful thing, right? Freedom of opportunities, but it can also be paralyzing. You've got so many choices to make and so many things to do. Any entrepreneur could work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and they'd still not get all their to-do list done. So to me, it's really what's the next step? What's the next most important thing in monetizing, in serving my customers? And often, I'll speak for myself, I would put my head down in my cubicle, uh, especially today when we work all remote and I just work really, really hard. And often I would find that I was working on the wrong thing. And if I would just take a deep breath and ask the customer, what's most important to you? You know, what, what do you need next? What would you pay for? That gave me more direction. Or the idea of there's a lot of people out there with a lot of different skills. And sometimes as an entrepreneur, we want to do it all. And the older I get, the more I realize there's a lot of things that are easy to do, but hard to do well. And so from that standpoint, if I'm only going to do it, you know, once or twice in my life, do I really want to figure this all out? You know, accounting for an example, right? I am not a good accountant. You know, I was an engineer by degree, but uh, my accounting gets close. I could work really, really hard and probably become a fair accountant, but my business doesn't need a fair accountant. So find somebody with those skills and, uh, you know, with collaboration today, it's amazing. You know, I live in Kalamazoo, Michigan. How am I going to find all of these resources? Well, with the internet now, you can tap into different ones. You know, my, my accountants in Oklahoma uh, really doesn't matter where you are anymore. I've got the advisors all over. So from that standpoint, there's a great book out by, oh, and I can't think of his, uh, Dan Sullivan, Who, Not How. And often I would get in trouble by saying, how can I do this? How can I do this? As opposed to saying, wow, this needs to get done. Who can I work with? Who can do this better than me? Yeah, that's a great book, by the way. I've read that book. I agree with you. Prioritization for business owners is tough and doing the right thing. And, and you know, a great mentor of mine said exactly what you said. A lot of times things are easy, but they're hard to do. 
you know, the process itself oftentimes is easy, but actually implementing and getting done can be really hard. And that kind of segues into my next discussion that I want to have with you. Business owners and entrepreneurs often come to me and the first thing that comes out of their mouth is marketing and the challenges that they're having with it. Can we talk a little bit about how a business owner or an entrepreneur really wants to focus their marketing and where their starting point should be in terms of really getting the maximum benefit out of doing it? Sure. And I want to start with giving this disclaimer, <laughs> right? I went back later in life and got me my MBA in marketing. And I spent lots of years, lots of money. And I think my grandfather, like I said before, could have told me what marketing was much better, right? Marketing is starting a conversation with someone that could be an ideal customer. And if you just look at it from that standpoint, how can you start that conversation? Now, too often we jump into, well, should I do pay-per-click? You know, should I do this social media, that social media, which one's right? And I would always say, go back to that definition of what marketing is. How can you start a conversation with your ideal customer? If your ideal customer is listening to podcasts, that's a great way to do it. You know, if they're on social media, that's a great place to do it. I know a gentleman that he's a painter here in Southwestern Michigan. He loves working with uh, retired people, older people, and he advertises in the newspaper. He's the only person still advertising in the newspaper. I think he's even got a Yellow Pages ad and it drives business for him because his customers are still there. You know, is Instagram, is Clubhouse great? That's great, but it's not for him. So I think taking that step back and saying, okay, what conversation do I want to have with my ideal customers? Where are they? Where are they listening? Where can I get heard? You know, forget breaking through the noise because I think we're all just adding to the noise. You know, how can you get in on the conversation that they will listen to? And, you know, podcast interviews, I love that. Uh, it's almost like getting invited to somebody's did, uh, physical stage or getting over invited over to their house to meet all of their friends. I mean, if they can tee it up for you that way, you will get heard as opposed to just trying to break through the noise. I've heard you use the term catching them higher in the funnel. Can you explain to us what that means and why it's important? Yeah, so that's a, a marketing term. And the idea is, is there's different, parts in the customer journey. So at the top of the funnel is discovery. They don't even know they have a problem yet. The middle of the funnel could be consideration. They're looking at different options with that. And then, you know, the bottom of the funnel, they could be going out for request for proposal, right? We're going to get uh, five different offers and uh, we're going to pick one of these. If you can catch them at the bottom of the funnel, you're just one of five vendors that they're considering. And, you know, you're competing on that. There's a, a great book called uh, Play Bigger, uh, how pirates, dreamers, and innovators create and dominate markets. And I love how the authors in there talk about it. They say competition is for, is for losers, right? Because if all of a sudden I come out and I say, I am the best lawyer, well, it's either me or the other million people that are claiming the same thing that are lying. So you don't want to get into that competition game. You want to catch them higher in the funnel where you can define the problem, you can define the solution, because then you're building the trust with that. And let me give you an example here. There was a client we worked with years ago. She was an anxiety coach and she was working downtown New York City, had executives coming to her. Well, she wanted to retire. So she went, uh, moved to Hawaii and took her business all virtual. So most people aren't 
Googling, what podcast can I listen to to help me with my anxiety? Most people don't even know they have it. So she would go on podcasts and she would talk about the symptoms, right? You know, have you ever been feeling this? Have you, uh, do you ever struggle with this? And people would go, yeah, that sounds a lot like me. Or she'd talk about, hey, I've worked with this person and this is the challenge they had. All of a sudden, she was catching them at the top of the funnel. She was defining the problem. She was defining the solution. And with that, people were coming straight to her. So they weren't going, hmm, what other 10 anxiety coaches can I work with? No, they were just like saying, this person understands my problem. This person works with people like me and I want to uh, work with them. It's that whole idea of whales don't swim through funnels and big fish don't click. (laughs) That resonates a lot. You definitely, if you can start that conversation earlier in the process, it's just tremendously different in engaging them as a client or a customer than if you're in the ocean with everyone else. I mean, it's just the message is a lot harder to get through, the connection. But, you know, Tom, one thing I read from your uh, book, Podcast Guest Profits, which, by the way, is an excellent book. You discuss podcast interview marketing. Can you define what that is and, and just elaborate a little bit on it? Yeah. So it's using other people's platforms to get your message out and to grow your business and grow your brand. I think we could look back in in previous ways of how people used it before, right? So if you went on the Oprah show, you were able to leverage your audience and get that, that exposure. Talking on somebody else's stage, that same thing. And often we would have people come to us and say, can you help me get on a podcast? And I always looked at that and said, well, if you want better answers, you got to ask better questions. Today, there are 2 million podcasts. You know, getting on a podcast is not the challenge. I'd say, do you want to get on a podcast to grow your brand and grow your business? And they'd be like, yes, isn't that what I said? I'm like, no, it's not what you said, but we can help you with that. So it's really podcast interview marketing is the idea, the system, the framework to leverage other people's audiences to get that exposure, to get that no like, and trust, to get that authority. Right, Because if you're invited on this podcast, it's almost like the, the host vouches for you. If you get invited on Oprah's show, it's her vouching for you. It's sort of that transfer of authority there. And so really, that's what it's about. And in my mind today, our biggest problem is obscurity. Right, We could help lots of people. There's No matter what product you have right now, there's hundreds, thousands, millions of people that might be helped from that. They happily hire you right now or buy your product. The only problem is they don't know you exist. So with my thought is with podcast interview marketing, get out there, let them know you exist. And you know, you can never say enough of the right things to the wrong people or the wrong things to the right people. So if somebody listens to you for, you know, 30 or 45 minutes on a podcast interview, they're really going to self-select. And that's what we've seen with our experience here over the last six years is that when clients come, when prospects come, they come as hot leads, right? They already know who you are, what you do. They've checked out the website. It's not cold traffic. And I wanted to dig down on that. You had mentioned inbound marketing a little earlier. Is that the big byproduct of doing guest podcasting is that you create this inbound marketing funnel at the top of the funnel? Is that kind of a byproduct of it? Can you explain on that? Yeah, it's really bringing people into your your funnel, if you will. And, you know, there's a phrase that I hear all the time, you're one funnel away. And Russell Brunson, ClickFunnels, love the company, love the guy, but that's great marketing. 
but I don't agree with it, you know, because automation and funnels are important, but you've got to do something to get them in there. It starts with the conversation. And when people come back and say, well, you know, Anthony Robbins uh, sold this much off of, you know, some funnel or, or, or Brendan Bouchard sold this much off of it. I'm like, yes, but those people have been having conversations with me for a dozen years. Everybody knows who they are. And then they can put the funnel up. I think if you just start with the funnel and nobody knows who you are, the idea of if you build it, they will come. You know, it didn't work. I guess the only place I've ever seen it work is the Field of Dreams. It was a great movie, but I've never seen it work in business. Uh, so from the standpoint, if you can have that conversation and bring them into your funnel, bring them into your world, nurture them, that's how I see it working. Yes. You know, clients will often come to me and that's exactly what you just hit on. They'll say, hey, I have an Instagram, I have a Facebook, I have a webpage, I have LinkedIn, I'm everywhere. Nobody's coming to me. I'm not getting any leads. I'm not getting any generation. And I think there's this false perception that if you throw up your web pages everywhere, maybe you write a little content here and there, all these leads are going to come. It's just not the way it works. You need that traffic source. And I agree with you on the funnel. I think Everybody thinks they're going to put up this great funnel, but if you have nobody coming to it, nobody knowing what you do, it doesn't serve a purpose. It doesn't get you to your end goal. And and that brings up my next thing. You've touched on a little bit, but I'd love for you to dig in. Obscurity. Can you talk about that and what that means to you and, and business owners and why it's so important to address it in particular, the medium of podcasting? Yeah. And... You know, I said it before, I mean, there's a lot of problems in the world right now, but there's no better time to be alive, right? 20 years ago, your customers were pretty much within driving distance. So you were limited to, okay, what um, whatever the population was within driving distance. Now, if you live in a big city, all right, that might be okay. If you live like me in Southwestern Michigan, you got a problem. But the difference now is that we can serve customers so remotely. Right. So your pool of ideal customers is so much bigger. And so with that, how can you get out and get known to them? Because, you know, at the end of the day, none of us want just more, you know, more leads or more traffic. You can't eat a Facebook like. We want more customers and we want more ideal customers. And I think the more education we can put out there, the more things we can put out there for people to get to know us before they even talk to us, they will um, self select. Right. And if, if they don't like me, that's fine. It doesn't mean that I'm going to change my business. Uh, it's just there's probably somebody else that can serve them better. So the whole idea is that you want to, you know, attract the ideal customers and repel the people that you can't serve the best. And that's really just by going out there and getting known. You know, I'm always amazed by the, some of the sales calls, if you will, that we have after a podcast interview because the person's already, listen to you for 30 or 45 minutes. Then they checked out two other interviews. Then they went to your social media. When they come up for, you know, quote unquote, the sales call, it's more of a qualification call. You know, maybe they have a couple of questions, but largely it's like they're sold on working with you. You just need to figure out if you're the best fit for them. In your book, you talked about Aaron as your test case. And you mentioned he had a great story and and a great voice. I think you had said, I think the typical individual that might get in as a guest of podcast is either worried about what they're going to say, or maybe they don't sound professional. What are your thoughts on that? What would you say to them if they said, Hey, I can't be a guest. 
Yeah, and some of the background on that. So Aaron Walker was one of our early clients and he's got this Southern voice, sounds like a Zig Ziglar. And the personality really comes through on that. Well, early on, he was writing some blogs and you'd look at it and go, yep, that's a blog. But it sounded like every other blog out there. Whereas if you heard him on a podcast interview, you would remember who he was. You know, you'd either resonate it with it or you wouldn't. So with that, we learned we learned a lot from that. And, you know, you want to get out there and have people either resonate with you or not. And you learn as you go, what interviews do the best for me on this? What people do I resonate the best with? Another client that we had early on, uh, Craig Cody. Uh, he's a CPA. He's got more personality than ever any accountant you've ever, uh, ever met. He's a retired New York City detective. And all of his eggs were in, were in one basket in 2008. You know, they were all local businesses. And he came to us and said, I want to be on every different type of podcast. I want to be, have one of every business uh, in every different state. I want to be totally diversified. And I think it was probably six months into it, we pointed out to him, you know, you do really, really well on dental podcasts. And he's like, oh, I love dentists. You know, uh, they work with professionals. They have free cash flow. They can make decisions. And so I think for the next six months, he went on nothing but dental podcasts. He's got his own dental business podcast now. And so with that, he was using podcast interviews almost as market research too. And, you know, certain people loved him. And so he doubled down on those. You know, by the way, I did speak with Aaron many years ago. I'm sure he doesn't remember me. He does have a great presence. He, he's a blast to talk with. So that's a great story. But just drilling down a little bit more on that, for someone that doesn't maybe feel like they have a great message or how would you, I'm kind of taken from your book a little bit, so I don't mean to lead you, but in, you opened up with serving. Is, is that one way they should position their messaging or how would it help them? I struggled with this at the very beginning. It's like, what do I have to share as a guest, right? What expertise do I have? And a friend of mine helped me with this. Uh, Nick Pavlidis is a uh, recovering lawyer. He no longer practices. But he pointed out to me that, you know, the legal definition of an expert is someone that knows more than the average person based on their experience, based on their knowledge, based on their training. So when you come up with expert opinion, it doesn't mean you're the one and only undisputed expert on this, but you have something to share. And for some people that could be that, you know, if they've got a PhD in something for other people, it could be like, you know, Aaron Walker, where he's been doing it for 40 years. And, you know, he can, he can tell you the stories from that. Actually, the one that actually does best on podcast interviews is the one that I, I call the traveler, that person that's one or two steps ahead of you. You know, if there's a second grader trying to learn math, sometimes the best person to teach them is the fourth grader because they understand what they're going through. They can relate to them. You know, you don't want a PhD trying to teach a second grader math. They'll just confuse them. So I think if you look at that and say, do I have something to share with the world? Do I have insights? Do I have opinions? You know, if you're working in your business, you know, you're working there 50, 60 hours a week, you've got unique experience on that. You know, if if you've raised children, you've got unique experience that somebody just starting out doesn't. So from that standpoint, you know, we're all, I believe we're blessed to be a blessing. We've learned things and we can share those with other people. In terms of if someone wanted to become a podcast guest, how do they find the right shows to be on? How do they facilitate that process? 
Yeah. And I think the first thing that you point out is finding the right shows. And you know, there's now over 2 million shows. I feel like I need to update the book because I think the numbers in the book say, you know, there's a half a million shows. And I'm like, as soon as I updated it, it would be out of date again. But the algorithm we use really looks at four things. And most people stop at the first. So look at the podcast. Does it have your ideal audience? You know, we work with a lot of business owners, you know, nonfiction authors, coaches, consultants, brands. So those are the kind of podcasts that I want to go on. You know, there could be a great podcast for expectant mothers, but it's not a great podcast for me. So first look at the podcast itself and say, would my ideal customers be listening to this? The next thing to look at is the website. Most podcasts will give you show notes and a backlink. That is so powerful to be found. I mean, we've got some clients that do it just for the backlinks. And you'd ask them, hey, do you want to be on, you know, Tim Ferriss's podcast and get heard by, you know, a quarter of a million people? Or would you like to be on a undergraduate podcast at Harvard University that gets 200 downloads? And they'll be like, give me the backlink from harvard.edu. That's golden. So we look at the podcast, the website. The third thing we look at is the reach. So not only, you know, how many people are listening to it, but also how much are they promoting it? Are they promoting it on social media? Is it the right social media? Are they promoting it to their email list? Because often there are people that don't even listen to podcasts that will get an email that says, hey, I was talking to this person on this time, and that will get you out there in front of them. And then finally, I call it brand affinity. We're we're judged by the company we keep. And now, I don't know if you've noticed this, when you Google someone's name, often you'll see a podcast that they were recently on. And it's not the biggest podcast, the, the most relevance, often it's the newest one. So I always tell, you know, business consultants, be careful who you associate yourself with. You know, you don't want to be, I call them Wayne's World podcast, two guys in their mom's basement. You know, you don't want to be seen on the Stoner Brothers podcast when somebody is going, hey, should we give this guy, you know, that five-figure consulting deal? And that's the podcast that pulls up, you know, so make sure that you're comfortable being affiliated with that brand. So uh, as you go through those four things, the podcast, the website, the social media, and the brand affinity, you can go through podcasts fairly quickly and say, yes, this is a good one for me, or no, this isn't. What could someone expect in terms of lead generation? Is there some set variable after a show where they might get 50 leads or 10 leads? Is there any, any metrics on that? You know, Tyler, it varies so much based on what the product is and what the service and the offering is. You know, are you going for whales or minnows? So we work with a lot of uh, nonfiction authors. Last year, we worked with three different books that hit the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. And so for them, their transaction is, you know, what, $15? So for them, they're looking for a lot of, lot of sales off of that. And they typically see those. Then you've got other ones that might be doing, you know, consulting contracts where each client, the lifetime value is $100,000 for them. And so with that, you wouldn't expect to see as many leads or as, as many customers. But the one thing that we do hear back from our clients is that the leads are better in that they're, they're not cold leads. They're already educated. They're warm to hot leads. And they also close faster because they're educated about the product there. I remember uh, talking with a CMO 
And we were going through all of the the proposal and then the CEO got involved in it. And it was a, a business to business software as a service company. And the CEO looked at it and said, so you're telling me that if I get on a podcast interview and I just have two people sign up that this pays for itself in the first month and the CMO goes, yeah. And he's like, and then all the months after that are just pure gravy. It's like, yeah. He's like, what other marketing channel do we have that pays for itself in the first month? And he just looked and he said, uh, we need to start doing this because he said, if I can't get on a podcast and convert two people to our program, right? It's, I need to be fired as the CEO because either our product is awful and nobody wants it, or I can't explain it. But he's like, we need to start getting on podcasts. <laughs> the numbers don't lie, right? Exactly. The projections look good. The return on investment. Hey, would you say there's anyone that's not a good fit for podcasting? Like, if, does someone ever come to you and go, hey, this doesn't really make sense for your model? I'm not sure so much podcasting, but podcast guesting, definitely. Okay. If you're very focused geographically. So a friend of mine in Kalamazoo installs amazing home theaters and stereo systems, but he couldn't go on a podcast because, you know, he could get on a great podcast, be heard by tens of thousands of people. And he'd be lucky if like one or two were in his geographical region that he could serve. So if it's very geographically targeted, that's one where it won't work as a podcast guest. The other thing too, is that if it's more of a transaction than a relationship sale. So, right. Um, I think about every two weeks I buy a new set of, you know, wired earbuds because I forever am putting them through the wash right? It, to me, it's a, just a transaction. I don't need to know the story behind it. I don't need a relationship with the company. But if it's a company that's like, you know, it's going to be my business coach, it's going to be my accountant, it's going to be a software platform I use. I want to make sure that I know what drives them. You know, what's the story behind the company? So with that, you know, in both of those cases, they could use maybe a local podcast, right? So if you're very local, do the Kalamazoo podcast and introduce and, and interview local people. But I wouldn't say you should use uh, podcast guesting. If someone wanted to be a podcast guest today, how should they get started? Yeah. You know, Gary Vaynerchuk has that book, Sir, or Jab, 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 Right Hook. And I think I missed a couple jabs in there. I look at that as serve, 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 ask, right? So put yourself in the podcast host's position. The podcast host wants to have three types of people on their podcast. Their friends, their friends of friends, and people they want to be their friends. Nowhere in there does it say creepy cold pitches. <laughs> so if you find a podcast and you're like, man, I would love to be on Think Business with Tyler. Well, don't just do a creepy pitch, right? Serve, 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 ask. So first thing to do, listen to the podcast. Find out, is it really good for you? Leave a rating and review, right? We're all vain. We all listen for our own name. I don't care who the podcaster is. If you leave them a five-star review, they're going to read it. Now go in there and make some comments on their social media. Maybe share their information. They'll start to know who you are. And this doesn't have to be, you know, months long. It can be weeks long. Then reach out and say, you know, this podcast host, you know, I, I love the uh, the podcast. I've been listening to this. I think I've got some information that could be of service to you and your audience. 
right? Your goal of being a podcast guest is to make the host look like a genius for introducing you. And if you start doing that, they're going to ask you to be on the podcast, right? So focus on the service, not just the asking. And unfortunately, there's way too many courses out there right now or that will, will teach you how to robo-pitch. I'll tell you, it doesn't work. Or if it works, it's not with the right podcast that you want to be on. I mean, Tyler, I get, I get pitched probably two to three times a day to be on my podcast. They all love it. They all want to be on the show. The only problem is, is I don't have a podcast, right? So they're just sending these robo pitches and it gets around. So focus on quality over just quantity. And I definitely agree with you because I, I myself have, it's been a great way to build relationships is when you think with a serve first mentality, people listen to you. They're more open to accepting your messaging and what you're about. And it helps to form a relationship that's bigger than just once being a one-time guest even. I'm sure you have some stories where it's led to longer-term relationships from your guesting. Is, is that safe to say? Oh, very much so. And one of our core values in our company is that relationships are the ultimate currency. You never know what that relationship is going to lead to. So it could be physical speaking events. It could be introducing you to business partners, you know, joint venture deals there. So that exposure brings opportunity. But if you're just looking at it as a transaction, it won't work. You know, uh, think about the person that wants to have a dozen dates on a Friday night. Could they do it? Sure. What's the outcome going to be on that? Probably not any good long-term outcomes, you know? And so often I hear people say, oh, you know, I, I want to do two podcasts a day. And I'm like, well, what are you doing with the podcasts that you're on right now? Do you promote them? Do you build a relationship with the host? Uh, you know, it's, it's not supposed to be like uh, 50 first dates or something. Why don't you focus on doing more with the podcast that you're on and doing better podcasts, better interviews, just not more. Years ago, somebody pointed out to me, more is not better. Better is better. Amen to quality over quantity, I think is what I'm hearing. I, I can, that, that's definitely a great, great tenement to follow. Hey, Tom, we really enjoyed chatting with you today. Would you be open to summarizing one actionable item for the audience and, and myself in terms of how we can make our life better or our business better? Anything come off the top of your head? I guess the what I would point to is if you're listening to a podcast, you understand the power of this medium, the intimacy of this medium. And I also believe that we're blessed to be a blessing. We have learned things in our life that could help other people and that they would gladly hire us, pay for us to learn. So I believe that if you're listening to this, obscurity is your biggest problem. Find a way to connect with your ideal customers. And maybe that's being a podcast guest. Maybe that's being a podcast host. If you're a great writer, maybe it's writing, but figure out what works for you and put it out there because you can make the world a better place and be really rewarded for that also. And you know, if I can help you in any way, Tyler, you were nice enough to mention my book. I sell a lot of them, but I give more of them away. So if you want a free copy of Podcast Guest Profits, How to Grow Your Business with the Targeted Interview Strategy, just go back to, we'll put it at interviewvalet.com forward slash Tyler. So you can get a free copy of the book there. There's also an assessment that we have. 10 questions, you know, how you could use podcast interview marketing. I'll put that there on that page also. And then finally, you know, if you listen to this and said, 
I want to talk with somebody and see how I could use this. I'll also put my calendar schedule link on there. So with that, just go back to interviewvalet.com forward slash Tyler and all those things will be there. Thanks, Tom. I'll also put those in our show notes on thinktyler.com. One thing I wanted to add, you have a page of resources which are just phenomenal. Checklists, some various things that the book references to, which I found very helpful. So there's there's a lot of goodies in there that I think someone can get a real fast head start if they want to get in this area. Well, thank you, Tyler. I appreciate all you do. You know, I've been a guest on over 1,200 podcast interviews and people say, well, why don't you have your own podcast? And I'm like, because it's hard work. You know, anybody that says it's easy has never done it or never done it well. So I'm going to put it out here. If you're listening to the podcast and enjoy it, help other people find it too. Leave a rating and review because not only does that help the host, but it helps other people find this great uh, information. Thanks, Tom. We had a great time chatting with you today. I so appreciate your knowledge and, and thanks again for being the guest on the show. Thank you, Tyler. Hi, it's Tyler Martin. I sure hope you liked today's show. Hey, I wanted to ask you, when you started your business, I'm sure you were thinking about the freedom it would create and the value you would build over time. Unfortunately, many business owners get stuck and find they are working long hours. And instead of freedom, they feel chained. I have a strategy scorecard that's based on frameworks I've used to grow and sell two of my own businesses. It's the same system I use to help clients get unstuck and get free. You can grab a copy at GetStrategyScorecard.com. Once again, that's GetStrategyScorecard.com. Hey, thanks again for listening to the show. Can't wait for you to hear the next one coming up. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. Touchdown! On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Electric acid.